Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Hey everyone, my name is Asher Roddy. And this is Tyler Whipple. Welcome to Talking Two-Tone. We're thrilled to bring you a new and thought-provoking podcast that talks all things Tennessee Titans. Go ahead and reserve your ticket now. It's going to be an incredible journey. Tighten up. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Talking Two-Tone. My name is Asher Roddy, and I am joined by the best co-host in the business, Tyler Whipple. We have got a shit ton to talk about this 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 time around, Tyler. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Let's uh, let's cap it off first, though. You know, before we get into the the drama that has been the NFL week, let's talk about those uh, those games this weekend. Yeah, I mean, honestly, dude, it was. I found myself in a catch twenty two with with the Bengals and Chiefs. Um, I hate both of them, but I hate Jackson Mahomes so much, so much that I'm glad that he didn't get to do a stupid TikTok and he has to stay in his drafts and look at it for ever. God, that kid is so fucked in the head. I mean, it, it, I think he needs to be hit by like a stampede of, of elephants, <laughs> like big time, all at once. Hell, I mean, I, I don't know, but that, that kid needs to be banned from every NFL stadium and probably, you know, just completely exiled from the sports world. He needs to be out of the spotlight. All he does is these stupid little dances. He has no talent. His brother has all the talent, and he has to come home after a loss to that fucking creep and his psycho wife. Well, yeah. Well, you know, when it rains, it pours. You know, so that, I mean, that's that's the situation. Poor Pat's in. Um, I would say poor Pat, but it, that game, like you said, it's it's kind of a bittersweet. Um, it makes me feel better about our loss since we lost to the AFC representative of the year. But at the same time, it makes you think oh, we should be the AFC representative because we absolutely dominated the Bengals in the trenches, and you never lose games. Majority of the time in the NFL, if you dominate both sides of the line of scrimmage. You win games, and it, it's just it kind of, it's a, it's a stain on our season and the Titans franchise for a little while. It's going to be hard to get over it for a while. Should have been us. It should have been, been us because we've already shown we can beat the Chiefs, and I know we can beat the Bengals. Play them. I think I really honestly think if we played the Bengals ten times in that same exact scenario, we probably would have won eight times. And they just caught us in a bad night where we had a lot of turnovers, and that's. The six losses the Titans had in the season, they were turnover riddled. So you know, they just call us in that, in that game, you know. So, and then the, if you if you look over to the NFC, um, Jimmy Garoppolo has showed like you know he's limited. Like our quarterback, uh, our quarterback, I think he's a better, but Jimmy Garoppolo, our quarterback is more physically gifted than Jimmy Garoppolo, and Jimmy Garoppolo turns the ball over a little more. And Jimmy Garoppolo is a sexy man, though. I mean, he is beautiful. I mean, he. He absolutely has a career in TV or whatever he wants to do with his face after. He is a sexy man. I, I can agree with that 100%. But in that game, you know, his, his ugly head showed and on on the field. And, um, you know, the, the better team won. 
the Rams, and I, I'm pulling for the Rams, I think, because I want Matt Stafford to win. But at the same time, I, I still like Joey Burrow a little bit. So, you know, I, I, I like Stafford. Stafford's probably my second favorite quarterback in the league now that – or now that, you know, everybody else is fucking retired. But, you know, I've always loved Stafford. I, I, I you got to root for the guy. He's been in Detroit for his entire career for 12 seasons. And, you know, Detroit needs to be, you know, just completely exiled out of the United States. They need to be gone. Because that I know they're not a state, but the whole, whole fucking place needs to be blown up or, or, or gone. Just cut out. Send them to Canada. Hell, Canada probably won't even take them. But, no, I'm happy for Stafford. Like, he deserves it. That guy is – he never complained once – until you know they just they they failed him much like the the Cavs failed LeBron James his first time around in Cleveland, and you know and Calvin Johnson with the Lions and Barry Sanders with the Lions, and so I'm happy for him. I'm really rooting for Stafford and his wife beat brain cancer I believe, um, so yeah, it, it, it's good for for Stafford and I'm ha- I really am happy for him. You know, my dad he had a saying that's a little more colorful than this. You know, you got you got to eat a little crap. To go take you a crap. So, and I think that's the epitome of what, you know, Matthew's been through in his career. You know, he's taken yeah. so much and done so much and, you know, was so little. Calvin Johnson was the only player he's ever really played with that was really, really, I mean, I guess, I guess the second best receiver he ever had was Nate Burleson or Golden yeah. Tate. And that says a lot, you know, so. Yeah, um, I mean, it sucks for Stafford. For, and for I, I really enjoy seeing him get to play with these guys and Cup and Beckham and Robert Woods, he's healthy, and he's got a pretty good running game there, which Sean McVay usually always does. So. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's our takes from that. Um, moving on to um, Tom Brady, you know. Uh, <laughs> but first thing I want to say about Tom before we get into his actual retirement, if he wanted to hold that uh, that information, and somebody leaked that to Adam Shepard, and Adam Shepard knew he was going to make that announcement, him and Davenport, I think, was the other one to uh, – not Davenport. Um, what's the other guy? Rap, Rappaport. Rappaport. No, it, wasn't ra- it, it was somebody else who was like co-signed on the on the announcement with Schefter. Let, this guy has played 22 years in the NFL, dominated the league for this long. Let him have his day, man. They they took his thunder. You know, I could, I feel like Tom Brady wanted to to announce it himself, and it kind of got took away from him. So I think that's why he delayed it after that and kind of pushed the rumors back on Schefter. Just let the guy have his time, you know. He he deserves to have his own private, you know, retirement speech or post. Everybody has to be first these days, and I hate it. So that yeah. kind of ruined the whole thing. Because, you know, we didn't get surprised. It would have been all open up because I follow Tom on Twitter and Instagram. So it would have been cool to just be scrolling through my feed and see Tom Brady retired. So uh, he kind of ruined that moment for, you know, everybody who's grew up watching the guy play. I mean, He's been playing the entire time I can even fathom football, and it's crazy. So, I think he kind of ruined the moment. Yeah, I mean, I don't like Adam Schefter for obvious reasons. It, 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 he does. I mean, his journalism is like Bush League. It's like he doesn't care about privacy. He doesn't care about anything except getting the story out first. That's all he cares about, and it, it, it invades privacy in an era where it is becoming more and more apparent that people – should be allowed to speak for themselves. And he kind of took that away. And that, I mean, I'm going to be quite honest with all the viewers here. I never really liked Tom Brady. I still don't really like Tom Brady, but I respect the guy. 
you've got to respect him um, for what he was able to do. And, you know. Well, Tampa Tom's different. Tampa Tom, yeah. Florida Tom, he's a Florida man now. He's just different. Yeah. I, he got extremely likable when he went to Tampa Bay for whatever reason. And maybe because he kind of let loose. But I kind of got to where I really like it. Tom Brady to admire what he's done. So I used to hate yeah. him too because they ran the AFC for so long. Yeah, I mean, I respect the guy for his accomplishments and his play. And, you know, Schefter just really ticks me off. He's like a little hedgehog is what he looks like. <laughs> and he's so annoying, man. He's, and most of the time, he doesn't even fact check anything. Like, I don't even know. I mean, he never cites his sources. It's so frustrating. Like, first thing you're supposed to know when you're doing any kind of research is you got to fucking cite your sources, man. Peer but review anyhow, that stuff. Peer review yeah, that stuff. good God. But <laughs> – Moving on, though, I did think it was pretty funny that Tom really didn't mention the Patriots. That was pretty petty. I, I liked it. I, I well, fucked with it. Well, Keen Petty there, um, he, he, the picture he posted was the, when they went to New England and won the game. So that was the first picture that was on there. So I think that was like – that was one of those little jabs that a lot of people didn't understand really how creatively petty that was. Yeah. All the pictures he could have used, you know, he could have used his, his Super Bowl holding up a championship – the Lombardi in a Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform, but he decided to use a picture of him at New England beating his former team, which I just thought was hilarious. So Yeah, didn't make one mention of the Patriots either, which was hilarious, man. Hilarious to me. Well, and, he, and, you know, a lot of people say that, but, you know, he already kind of gave his goodbyes in New England. So Two years ago, yeah, but you still got to You still got to throw a photo of, like, you holding up your, your jersey or whatever when you first make the team or something. Something along those lines. You got to do it, you know. But at the same time, it's Tom Brady. He doesn't have to do anything. So, anyhow, moving moving on. I thought that was a great petty troll by him. It was creative. You know, he's a funny guy now. He, he's kind of I, – I, I like his personality more and more. Um, but, you know, we got to talk about the bombshell in the NFL. All right. Belichick texted the wrong Brian. He texted the wrong Brian, Tyler. He knew Dabble was getting the job, and he – oh, it's so scummy, man, because, you know, the, the Giants totally shafted Brian Flores. First of all, I'm going to go on a soapbox for about probably a minute and a half here. Brian Flores should 100% be a head coach in the NFL. He should have never been fired for refusing to tank games and tamper with player signings. He is a good head coach. He is a defensive-minded head coach. And he was turning around that damn organization. And, you know, this is becoming more and more apparent in today's NFL that no matter how good you are, no matter how good of a player, how good of a play caller you become, how good of a coach you learn under, as a black head coach in the NFL, you are going to have an extremely short leash and you are supposed to obey, obey, obey these all white, predominantly white NFL owners. And it is becoming ridiculous that he still does not have a job. If the Jaguars somehow fumble the bag bigger than, you know, Birdman fumbled every, I mean, good, good. You know, let me compare this to, 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 to like modern day, the modern day audience here, you know, God damn it. Byron Leftwich should be the head coach of the Jaguars right now. The, the search should be over. But the Jaguars are so dysfunctional. They're running the organization as well as Birdman runs cash money records. I mean, it's unbelievably poorly run. And, you know, 
It's the obvious choice. I don't know why you need to interview anybody else. Go get Byron Leftwich. Brady endorsed him. Go get your coach. He's a former Jag. Bring him home. Go get him. All right. But Brian Flores has every right, in my opinion, to be suing the NFL. And if I'm these, you know, owners of these teams, my asshole is puckered tight because he's got screenshots. He's got screenshots. Yeah. Um, and, and I agree with a lot of it. Um, I'm kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, a lot of this, you know, it's kind of hard to say and prove that there's overwhelming racism. And, and if you sit here and say somebody, if somebody just says, hey, there's no racism involved at all, you know, they're obviously lying or they're just completely naive because there's always going to be some sort of racism when there is an elite white status in America. And everybody knows that. I mean, it's obvious. But you got to take it a little bit case by case basis at times. And I, th- and I kind of think Brian Flores has. I feel like he's going to get Colin Kaepernick here. I, I really do. I mean, oh, I he think- absolutely is. He's going to get blackballed from the NFL, but he's being brave. At least he's stepping. He's speaking. Well, out. I mean, I, I, I think. I mean, you can call it brave, but I really think it's naive on his part because, look, he the who fired him, and I, I get the whole text messages with Bill Belichick. Um, yeah, that's obvious. Bill Belichick, that does, you know, that gives a little leeway in here. But who fired – Chris Greer is one of the only black general managers in the NFL, and he's the one who fired him. So, there's one thing. He's already been a coach for four years, so there's another thing. So, he has had opportunity, and I get I get he's trying to be the poster child for the black coaches, and I understand that. Somebody needs to do it. But Brian Flores could have been a coach, not maybe this cycle or next cycle. So, I don't really understand – if he maybe he just dead set on getting a New York Giants job. That's maybe it was his dream job. Maybe he really really wanted it, and that's what really hurt him. You know, he's he's I I get it. You know, I understand where he's coming from. I'm not saying I'm completely against what he's doing, but I really think he would have been a, a head coach in the next. If Josh McDaniels can get hired again, who was yeah. horrible in Denver, Thank Brian you. Flores would get a job again. So I don't understand really why he's doing it and him himself. That's why I'm saying case by case basis here. Like, Vance Joseph hasn't got another job. He got fired one year with a horrible, horrible quarterback who they drafted 10th overall, who never had never had really have a chance, Vance Joseph and uh, Arizona. Um, so, what about it, Hugh Jackson? So, like, Hugh Jackson's kind of who I go to here, right? So, he gets, he gets told to do it's a very similar situation with Hugh Jackson, right? They, he gets told that he has to tank games and he said he's not going to do it. They were just inherently bad enough to only win one game. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, tanking for the draft. And I think the NFL is outdated. I think they need to go more towards the lottery. I think that that has to – that's the only way you can get rid of tanking is to go towards a lottery pick. Well, I know all about the Cleveland franchise. Let me forget this point. Jimmy Haslam is the head booster for Tennessee. And you know how bad – you know I'm a Tennessee football fan if you guys are listening. Um, Tennessee has been terrible ever since the Haslam's have been involved. And, that's just what they do. They, they they take they take too much control of the room, and they really don't know what they're doing. And that's what happened. I think Hugh Jackson just got caught up in that. And Hugh Jackson, I believe, is could be a good head coach in the NFL. Um, Lovey Smith, how did Lovey Smith never get recycled? You know, they sent um, him back down to the to the fucking college ranks. Mike Tomlin is the only African American head coach in the NFL. He's the only yeah, one. He's had he, he got put into a great situation too. So, yeah, I mean, he took over never, the cowers, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, so if there is – there's definitely a disparity here in, in 
especially when 70% of the players in the NFL are African-American. Like there needs to be more change. Like there, you know, the way the Rooney rule is, is really, really good, but they're finding ways around it. Like you, like they have to interview a person of a minor, a minority for a, for vacant head coaching positions or po- coaching positions. And they're finding their ways around it by, you know, already predetermining who they're going to hire and just extending the interview process. Basically what we saw, that's what happened. Though. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what happened here. That's why I think the Rooney Rule is so dumb. Yeah, I it, think it's the, dumb. it doesn't. The work. Rooney Rule is. The, the, I mean, I get what I get the what they're trying to put out publicly. Hey, we're going to make sure you interview these, but it doesn't make any sense to do it because all it does is create bad feelings and hard yeah. hardships on these guys. That oh, I'm going to get. I, I'm, I'm. You know, I'm getting interviewed. Blah 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 blah. I think I got a chance because in those text messages, you can see Flores really thought he had an opportunity with the Giants, but he never he did. He never did. They didn't even consider him. They really didn't even consider him. And then also the Denver Broncos didn't even give him the respect to show up sober. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's that's crazy. That's just that's a whole other story. But that's that's absolutely asinine, in my opinion. Give the man at least enough respect, if, even if you are, you know, practice your interviewing skills at least on the guy. Yeah, John but, Elway should know better, man. He should know better playing playing with you know being being like the consummate teammate and poster boy teammate that he was all those years in Denver, he should know better, man. I mean, that's just not professional and just flat out disrespectful to do that to a, to a, you know, a a bright head, young head coach. Like literally this guy could be the guy that takes you over that step. Well, Flores, Flores, I I really don't understand it. I don't, I mean, I could see it if it was a Hugh Jackson or somebody who really was taken advantage of that shows one of those guys. Flores would have been a head coach again. I would love to see from the Titans, love to see if they brought freaking Flores in, man. If they brought him in in some kind of role to where, you know, maybe, maybe. Replace Jim Schwartz. Yeah, yeah. Replace, you know, Jim Schwartz, Jim Schwartz, and, you know, do it. That would, that would send a shockwave throughout the NFL that Amy Adams is making a movement and putting her foot down and saying we've got to change the way the NFL is being run because everybody knows Roger Goodell is the puppet of the NFL. Like he does whatever the owners tell him to do. He mm. does. He, they have so much pull over him. He's like literally a puppet. That's Roger why it Goodell, makes forty million a year. Exactly because he does whatever they tell him to do. Oh, you want the salary cap increase? Sure. I mean, it was going to increase anyhow based off of contracts and that kind of shit. But it didn't have to go up as much as it did. But and, and you know. It, yeah, it, it's 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 fucked. I feel for Brian Flores because he 100% should be a head coach. I respect his decision. I think it's brave, and also he knows the repercussions of it. He knows what's going to happen. Um, but man, it's tough. It's been a tough week for the NFL. Uh, but moving on to a wider note here, we got you know since we're not playing, the Titans aren't playing anymore. We'd like to kind of shift our narrative now towards the off season and getting ready for the product for 2022. Um, And what we're going to do is we're going to try to bring two or we're going to do three players, every single podcast where we think two of them must come from the draft who we think would be a good fit for the Titans and one free agent. And um, I got to tell you right here, a lot of this is going to come from J Rob's like senior bowl magic and shit like that. I mean, he does wonders down in Mobile. 
And uh, it's 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 really, really cool to see how well he does through the – I mean, people don't give him enough credit for his late-round picks. Mm-hmm. They always yeah. knock him for the first-round misses, but you know how hard it is to pick a first-round player when you're picking well, in the 20s? He's had it's some studs. He's had some yeah. studs, though, in the first round. So, But I'm going to tell you the player that I am absolutely the highest on right now. And I'm telling you, I think he could be an electric player, and you know him pretty well, Tyler. I'm going to go with – Wandale Robinson, kind of mm-hmm. the do-it-all player for Kentucky this year. He's 5'11", he's 185 pounds. He had a monster year this past year. He had 104 catches, 13, over 1,300 yards, seven touchdowns, and he carried the ball, seven carries, 111 yards. I think he'd be a great slot slash flex addition, you know, kind of, you know, give us that depth so that, you know, Nick Westbrook-Akina doesn't ever have to be the number one target again. I think we could probably get him if if we had a. I'm grading him as a mid second round pick or a third rounder. I don't think we're going to be able to get him um, unless we somehow can trade into the second round. Um, but yeah, I would love to have this player on our team. Uh, that's a great pick. He he lit my balls up. Although the balls didn't win that game this year, uh, he had like I think he had a buck forty on us for the, like three touchdowns. So I mean, I know all about the guy. I'm glad he's not going to be playing for the Wildcats anymore. But I'm on the same kind of token with you, though. This guy's more of a, a first-rounder, uh, they're saying, or early second round, so he could fall right into their area of us. Uh, that's Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. Uh, guy's got electric speed. He, he's kind of like a Wondell Robinson. He's, he can, you can move him around. He's just a little smaller. But uh, he can um, – he's just got that – we need that guy that can take the top off the offense. Yeah. Off the defense, excuse me. And uh, I think that guy would really fit in. He had 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns on a, on a kind of bad Penn State team on offense. So, if, if he was surrounded by more talent, I really think he would be special. So, that, I'm going to go with Dotson here. That's going to be my first out of the draft. Now, the second one I think is just kind of like deja vu here. His name is Isaiah Likely. He's a Coastal Carolina tight end. He's six foot four, 240 pounds. He reminds me of Johnny Smith, like literally just reincarnated Johnny Smith. He had 59 catches this year for 912 yards and 12 touchdowns, 12 touchdowns. He had his average yards per catch or his average yards per catch were 15 and a half. He's a great blocker. He's a complete tight end. He's athletic. He's a playmaker. He's lined up virtually everywhere on the offense for, for Coastal Carolina. He even played fullback um, a little bit there. Just like John Yep, Yeah, I think he's a projected third rounder, and I think it would be very – it would behoove oneself to not take Isaiah Likely in the third round. See, me and Asher think a lot alike, so I figured he was going to pick Likely because I did too. Uh, he was one of the guys I had. I have a few here I've got wrote down that I've been looking at mocks and reading and, and watching little highlights on him, get prepared for the podcast. Isaiah Likely is a real dude. He really – I mean, he is – I think he's a better version of Jonu Smith. He's a more polished route runner, and uh, and he comes out of a, a more uh, passive offense at uh, Coastal than Jonu did at FIU. So, I think I like that a lot. But I, I've, I've been looking at uh, the guy, Trevor Penning, out of Northern Iowa. I didn't know – didn't know the guy till a few days ago, and I started looking this stuff up. Oh, the tackle! That man, he is yeah. he is huge. He's six foot seven, three forty. He can step in tomorrow and be a tackle in the NFL. So here's the deal: I mean, he he can replace Quesenberry or Ray Dunes. 
I think Ray Dunes is really going to end up being a guard. I, I really think he's going to be the replacement for Saffold. Or, and I think that's really where he's going to end up. And I think he'll be good there. But I think um, I think Trevor Penn here can come in and take Quesenberry's spot. He's, he's, he plays left tackle, but I know they can move him to the right side. And if Taylor Lewan ends up being a um, cap casualty in a couple of years, which probably will be, hopefully not, because I love Taylor Lewan, one of my favorite players. But uh, Trevor Penn can step right over the left side. We can go get another right tackle in the draft. So, um, yeah, I, I really like him. He's huge. He, he started – let me see here. Whatever, he was – Named on the Walter Payton Award, given the National Offensive Player of the Year uh, as a tackle. That's Jesus. nuts. So yeah. the guy is an animal. Uh, I can't believe he played for Northern Iowa and not a real big Power 5 school. So and some people just get overlooked. He's one of them. He's going to be a first-round pick. And if he falls to the Titans, I think they pick him. I really do. I, would I don't see him. how they wouldn't. You can never so, have enough offensive line depth. Never. No, and I, and I don't think they really trust Ray Dons yet. So that that's my two um, – uh, Dotson and, and Penning, if we could get either one of those guys, I would be ecstatic. So, Yeah, I mean, and also here's the fun part right here. Um, we're doing free agents now. Free, people, players, we think they can come in, um, contribute to the team, and, you know, just be, be like, just consistent enough to where if their number's called, they can come in and play. And you might get some starters, but not with the amount of cap that we have. We have to do a ton of work here. Um, I'm going to go with, you know – a player who I think hasn't really had an opportunity, and I don't think he's ever really going to get an opportunity to be a lead back. Um, and I don't, I honestly don't know why, because I, I really thought he was really good coming out of college. I'm going to go with Sony Michelle, and I think this is this is very contingent for me because if say Dante Foreman walks, which I think he should, he deserves to. He's going to go be a featured back somewhere. He should. Um, he's going to get paid, and we just can't pay him. Um, and I, resp- I love the shit out of Dante Foreman. He did so many good things for us this year. But Michelle could come in. He could be that spellback for Derek. He doesn't catch the ball well, but that's why you have Hilliard now. Um, I think it could be very similar. Um, he's got some flashy, lower the shoulder, low center to gravity runs, and he's going to be the best part. He- the best part about this is – Man, I, I smell something, and you know what? Oh, it's cheap. He's going to be cheap. <laughs> He's going to sign for maybe two mil, two or three mil a year, maybe. Yeah, I like Sonny Michelle. They, uh, you know, people call in, – in baseball, you know, there's the term professional hitter. You know, they, they just could get on base. Uh, Sonny Michelle feels like that kind of player to me. He, he's just a professional running back, you know. He just – he doesn't do anything elite, but he does everything – decently or good you know he, he, he's he, a great pass blocker too and he could take plenty of carries off Derek Henry next year you know if if he ends up with 90 carries next year for us that'd be awesome I like that I didn't think about Sonny Michelle I like that a lot uh if if we don't keep Deontay Foreman which you know we you know J-Rob has a way of convincing these guys to stay on for a little cheaper so and if uh some more players are restructuring you never know we could keep Deontay Foreman on so and, you know Derek Henry might restructure for him so you never know so Anyway, um, mine is a little more flashy, and I don't know if we can work it out, but um, if we do cut some players this year, there's some money. We can save some money on some players. Uh, Rashawn track when that's a rookie deal, but it's still a first-round pick. This guy is the same way as Sonny Michelle. He hasn't had the opportunity. Anything else to say? We'll, we'll close this bad boy up. Yeah, I do have something to say. Shout-out to Heather at the Shave Cave. Um, she trimmed <laughs> my beard up. 
lined it up. It was fantastic. It was awesome. She always does a good job. Really takes care of the really takes care of the beard. Um, yeah, that, best in the business, I would say. Heather at the Shave Cave. And, best in and the business. Down, downtown St. Petersburg. Fantastic. But yeah, that's all. Oh, and also tighten up. But yeah. Oh yeah, fantastically tighten up. And, yeah, and guys, we're gonna do this again. Tighten up. Tighten up. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, aka the Football History Dude. And I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Hello, football friends. This is Darren Hayes of the Pigskin Dispatch Podcast, and I'd like to invite you to the portal of positive football history, Pigskin Dispatch and PigskinDispatch.com. We talk about everything that centers around the game of American football, expert discussions, the origins of the games, the great players, teams, and coaches, and more, and some great guests and insights from experts. We have new episodes three to four times a week, and you can find us on SportsHistoryNetwork.com, PigskinDispatch.com, or your favorite podcast provider. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.